Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, Tribal Pursuit is the name of the show, and I am your dear friend for the next hour, Mukundi Mudao. How are you doing? Let me know. You can communicate with me all day long. Well, for the next hour at least you can communicate with me through our sms line 34519 is the number you can telegram me 061-895-1019 if you want to email me you can freely do so on air at highfm and if you want to tweet me just go ahead and at highfm and i'll get to your messages say hi to your friend mukundi interact with the show and we will have fun so six minutes past 10 on wednesday the 20th of july 2022 and we are going to tanzania today isn't that exciting i'll be talking to yehuda amir kalani of the tanzanian jewish community in arusha that will be later on that will be later on today so stay tuned for that but for the next 15 20 minutes i will be giving you my african update as i do every week i'll tell you what's happening in africa i'll give you an african proverb because i love bestowing some wisdom upon you and it wouldn't be mukundi without great music and that is exactly what i have for you so i hope you're gonna enjoy the next hour i hope you're gonna have fun i hope i hope we will party together this is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning. It is 12 minutes past 10, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying your morning, and I hope you'll enjoy the rest of your day. Looking at your messages, I have a message from Gail who says, Good morning, dear friend. Hey, friend, how are you? I'm looking forward to your lovely, gentle, and interesting show. Well, I hope you're having fun. I hope you're having fun. And it is that time of the day where I tell you who I'm talking about in 30 seconds or less. The Jews of Arusha, Tanzania, and I'll be talking to their leader, Yehuda Amir Kalani. Now, they are a small community in Tanzania that just recently started being very public. They're a very secretive community because of their history, which I don't want to give you too much about. Yehuda will do that himself later. And they are, they have Yemenite tradition, they have Yemenite roots because a lot of them moved from that part of the world down to Tanzania, mostly because of trade and that's what I've just been able to read, mostly because of trade and just living there and settling there and they never they never left, they never went back and they decided this is our home. We are the Jews of Arusha, Tanzania. And members of them, some of the members have actually moved to Israel, some of them decided to stay, some of them live in secret because once again, it's been tough for them. They only recently started being part of society really in 2015, 16, somewhere there. Besides that, they were living in secret, doing everything in secret, and they're still a very small community, so we gotta consider that as well. But that is who I'm talking to in 30 minutes or less, wait, 30 seconds. <laughs> in 30 seconds or less, I hope that it's enough to actually get you interested and ha have you with me later today. I hope you stay tuned. I'll be talking to Yehuda right around, um, say 10 10:30, 10:30. I hope you will enjoy my interview with him. So, 
10.14, I want you to forget you're Jewish for a minute. This is that part of the show where I tell you what's happening around the world, around Africa, and what I find really cool. Let's start with Malawi. I've never talked about Malawi, have I? Hope you enjoy. Cookbook puts pigeon pee on Malawi's plates to combat food, food insecurity. Okay. Book aims to change attitudes to nutritious pulse to nutritious pulse the country produces in abundance to export but really eats at home. That was a lot of words and I didn't really understand a lot of it. So let's read some more. As recipes go, the ideas sound tempting if not particularly groundbreaking. One is for doubt. Everything okay there, Craig? Don't worry, it's live radio, it happens. As I was saying, as recipes go, the ideas sound tempting if not particularly groundbreaking. One is for doubt. Another for meatballs and a third for six food group porridge with an optional egg. The suggestions in the new Malawian cookbook, cookery book, are also in their own way quietly revolutionary, as they're all made with an ingredient that the country produces in abundance but has often been overlooked, the pigeon pea. So, basically what this recipe is, from my understanding, is that they're gonna use a recipe, they're gonna use ingredients that they produce themselves in the country as opposed to importing ingredients. Because we know with everything that's happening in the world right now, food shortage, you know, um, the war in Ukraine is doing a lot of damage to people because now transportation of food is more expensive because fuel and gas is more expensive. And also we cannot forget countries just spending more money than they can make. Countries spending more money than they make, which in turn affects the economy, affects food security. We see it here in South Africa as well. I mean, have you been to checkers lately? Have you been to all these? Have you been to stores, grocery stores and checked what's happening? It's not, it's every grocery store, everywhere. Even, even the little informal stores, everything is expensive. Food is just going up. And this is the trajectory that it seems we're headed on and we're gonna be this way for a while. So basically, Try to grow your own food if you can. Let's try to use food that is homegrown because importing is clearly not working out right now. And that's the bad news. Bad news is that food insecurity is a real thing. And it's time for my favorite part of the day. My favorite, favorite part of the day. The animals. And who am I talking about? I talked about the elephants. I talked about donkeys. I talked about the most dangerous animals last week. And today I figured let's talk about our cousins. So, meet the mountain gorillas living in Uganda's Bwindi forest. Bwindi, B-W-I-N-D-I, say it how you will. The dense and green Bwindi Impenetrable Forest National Park in southwestern Uganda is the home of over 400 mountain gorillas. Tours are often organized to allow intrepid, now there's a word, tourists to approach the largest living primate. That is really cool. That is really cool. Now, I'm not one to go near gorillas because... I don't know, I'm scared of the sheer size of them. That thing, I've said this before, that thing weighs around 500 kilometers of just, kilometers, well, kilograms of just pure muscle. I'm not up to go near it, but good for you if you want to go near it. They're an endangered species. Mountain gorillas are considered endangered, endangered with just over a thousand left in the world, and more than half of them live in Bwindi. Good for you, Bwindi, I like that. Admiring them has a price. It costs more than a thousand dollars and requires long hours of walking, all of which are worth it for the tourists. It would, one of them said it would be very easy to assume that seeing gorillas is just like seeing any other animal, you know, going to visit chimpanzees or seeing lions or any of the famous famous animals, but it's not. There's something very special about the gorillas that you, get, that you just can't put in words. Well, I'm happy for you. You got to see a gorilla up close and personal. But 
once again, endangered species and it's a positive impact on local communities and the population as a whole. And I love the fact that they're keeping them all in one place, which means now reproduction is going to be at a greater rate, which means repopulation is going to be at a greater rate, which means we will have more gorillas. It's sad we can't do the same for rhinos. I said this before, I'd like my kids to see rhinos one day, just not in a book, not in a film, no, just straight up close and see a rhino, but it would seem we are headed the other way. Luckily, it's not the same fate that the gorillas are headed for, and that is enough for a thumbs up. At 18 minutes past 10, that's what I had to tell you about Africa. As always, I told you some bad news, and then I told you good news, which usually is about animals, because we love animals. I told you I have some great music today, and if you think you're enjoying what's happening, if you're enjoying what's happening, or if you just want to say hi, to your friend Mukundi, please don't hesitate. 34519 is my SMS line. 0618951019 is my telegram line. If you want to email me, feel free to do so. On air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet me because you got Twitter fingers, feel free to do so. I won't judge you. Just at highfm and we will get this party going. I'll even wave in studio. Trust me, I will. Craig, Craig is my witness. <laughs> this is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, Tribal Pursuit is the name of the show, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. It is 23 minutes past 10. I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday morning. If you are, let me know. 34519 is how you SMS me, 0618951019 is how you telegram me. If you want to email me, you can do so on air at highfm.com. And if you got Twitter fingers, you can just at highfm. I'll get to your message and we can all have fun. 23 minutes past 10. Wow, why did I just get confused at the time? At 23 minutes past 10, allow me to bestow some wisdom upon you. It's time for the African proverb, and today's one is about... Well, it's, about, it's not about animals, it just has an animal in it. <laughs> Don't think there are no crocodiles just because the water is calm. Oof, beautiful. I wonder who these people are that come up with all these sayings because they're so smart. Do not think there are no crocodiles just because the, the water is calm. Meaning... We human often like to look at things in what I call either logic or what I call the either or logic or what psychologists refer to as splitting or black and white thinking. It is simply the case of looking at things in terms of two extremes where we find things to be either good or bad, right or wrong, easy or hard, beautiful or ugly, happy or sad. That is, we don't acknowledge all the gray areas in life, but there are many possibilities and nuances in the scenarios of life. Just because a thing is not black does not mean it is white. Just because, no one just because no one counters your point does not mean you are right. Just because you speak confidently does not mean you're speaking the truth. <laughs> just because you're right does not mean I am wrong. Just because you're sick does not mean... Wait, just because you're not sick does not mean you're healthy. And the danger with black and white can be deceptive. So look beyond or beneath the surface. Be open-minded. Huh. And once again, that was... Don't think there are no crocodiles just because the water is calm. That's your African proverb of the day. That's the wisdom I had to give you and I hope you will keep it with you, take it with you and use it in your everyday lives. At 25 minutes past 10, we're going to take a little break. After that, I will be interviewing Yehuda Amir Kalani of the, Jew of the Jewish community in Arusha, Tanzania. Stay tuned for that. We'll be back straight after this. 
This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. So, Class is in session and we are in Tanzania today. If you have any questions for our guests, please don't hesitate to send them through. 34519 is our SMS line. 061 is our Telegram line. If you want to email me, feel free to do so on air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet your question, you can just at highfm on Twitter and we will get to it. So, to help me understand the Tanzanian Jewish community a bit better today, I have with me Mr. Yehuda Amir Kahalani. Am I saying that correctly? That's right, that you are saying very correctly. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Uh, before we get too far, I realized you have two names. You have a Jewish name, Yehuda, and you have another name, Perez. Could you please explain why that is? Uh -huh. Perez names we used uh, before when the Jewish names were allowed to register for concealing as part of the hidings uh, process. Uh, so as if you will be asked uh, where the names from, it's easily to name that is from the communist country such as Cuba or Southern America. Mm. Oh, I see. Very interesting. And I tried my best to read about your community and do my research, but there's not much to find on the Internet. So I'm going to ask you, could you please give me a history of your people and your community, you know, including your grandfather and everything? Thank you. The community that we, we have there are around 500 uh, Jews scattered all over the country. We base or we uh, locate or we base in almost close to Kenya, Kenya border, uh, Arusha in Tanzania. And uh, there are different communities from different locations. Some are from Yemen, Iran. Ethiopia, and they were also Morocco before. My parents apparently came from southern Yemen, a place called Khaban uh, region, mm. in a city called Taiz. And they moved to Zanzibar for trade around 1882 uh, or something like that. And later on, they established themselves in Pangani and Tanga and then Arusha. And they kept on moving until we found ourselves in Arusha. Oh, and that's in Tanzania. Yes, 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 yes. And I read somewhere that everything you know was passed down from your grandfather down to you. Yes, yes, yes. My grandfather was a uh, Mori uh, in Yemen's equivalent to a rabbi. Mm. And um, in Yemenite tradition, the parents have the obligation of teaching children. They are rabbis. So most of all the Jewish educations I was taught by my grandfather, my father, my grandmother, the educations uh, I, I got on, on Jewish laws, everything. We start uh, at the age of three to do shechita, uh, and uh, reading the Torah. Different from other tribes or other communities, 
mm. where there's a special uh, Torah reader, we all read at the age of three up to seven. Every, everyone knows how to read. Oh, so everyone in the community knows how to read the Torah. As long as it's Yemenite, yes. Oh, I see, I see. But now you took the time to go learn about other Jewish customs and practices that are not common to your community. Was there anything that was kind of a shock to you when you found out about it? Well, other Jewish communities came to lands only not uh, many, many years ago, uh, but w when we are free to start learning, Mm. And the communities that are always very close to us are the Sephardic, because we are Misrahim, Yemenite Misrahim. But I came to like also Ashik Nazim, and I came to know so much that uh, there was in Ashik Nazim world, our brethren have so different Menachim. I never knew as I grew up that there's, uh, there's uh, segments called uh, uh, reform, conservatives, uh, ultra-orthodox, uh, mm. orthodox. Uh, uh, we, we grew up knowing only two divisions, uh, Baladis and Shamis, and all are religious. So we never knew that there are so much difference. And the old Jews... And could you please just explain the difference between the two, the Baladis and the Shamis, as you said? Right. For Baladis, uh, I am from, I belong to the Baladis Dordheim. Uh, we follow strictly the Rambam teaching. Mm. And uh, up to date, we don't, uh, during the prayer, we don't sit on chairs. We sit on mats. Uh, the reason is uh, during the Beta Mikdash, even Moshe Rabinu did not sit on uh, chairs. But uh, also, Hashem is a king. And mm -hmm. if he, Hashem is a king, a king supposed to sit in a chair. Although Hashem is in divinity, we cannot uh, compare to any person that can sit on a chair. But we also, during the prayer, we don't uh, want to feel that we are higher in any way. We don't want to live like kings. We like to be very close to Adama. We like to be very close to the soil. So sitting on the mat make you humble and make you close to Hashem, close to everybody. And for the Shami, the Shami use chairs. It's not a different. It's not a... It's not that we had a fight with them. It's only that they accepted the Syrian traditions, which is very close to the Sephardi, not only sitting on chairs, but also accepted the Kabbalah and the Zohar, where the Baladis, we strictly focus on the local traditions. Baladis mean tradition, by the way. And... Uh, we follow the Rambam exactly as it is. And Abba Shalom Shabazi, who was also our great rabbi, and also Abishush. 
101.9 Chai FM, this is Trouble Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. Today I'm talking to Yehuda Amir Kalani. He's a member of the Tanzanian Jewish community, but he's also a friend of the show. So Mr. Kalani, there was a time in Tanzania where being Jewish was not the most popular thing. And people were persecuted, people were killed, people were scattered, and your synagogue was even destroyed. How did that affect your community in the long run? Well, it affected very well, as you mentioned, that they got scattered. Mm. Some, actually, there is organizations that knows most of the scattered uh, am Israel in, in our, my country, but they don't know where they are. In our city, in Arusha, we probably about 100, but very few are religious. The rest still concealed themselves. In 1960s, the community was fine until 1967, after the Six Days War. That's when the thing started. And uh, when all the property were nationalized and anything to do with uh, foreign religion that are not uh, registered, it was kind of forbidden. But our brethren, the Muslim, uh, help us to hide uh, uh, among them. Mm. And up to now, in some cities, I know there are some shuls that are still in the basement and uh, are foreigners, are Westerners, or even a local, unless if you are very well known, can enter those synagogues. Mm. I only entered one and... Uh, it is very, very difficult. Most of them, most of the concealed Jews look like Muslim mm. closing, but on Shabbat, they all close their business. And most of them are in big cities, are wells, and they try to keep it a secret because uh, coming out will also affect their business. Because if people found out, then it'll just make it that much harder for them to keep their business open. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, I see. And do you still have people approach you till this day saying, hey, I'm Jewish, I'm part of your community. My family are the people who were scattered across the continent or country back in the day. Yes, few does, but uh, we, we, we approach every question very careful. First mm. of all, the community is very small because in our tradition, we did not accept convert before. We have to take only from the, re the origins of the people. So we still approach very carefully. Sometimes people come um, and say that they are part of the community. And we have the codes. Sometimes some people break the codes and then we know they are part of us. And some don't even know one of the even uh, attempt to break the code. And do you think there'll ever be a day where you don't have to be such a reclusive or secretive community? I think uh, since 2015, we, we were almost free when the former president was in power. He, he, was, he wasn't only a friend of Israel, but uh, he was 
so produce. Mm. And therefore, that is when we renovated our shuls. And now we practice Rukashem. A lot of people don't even know us. They think that we are Muslim. Mm. And that's really helped us. Uh, and having a Arabic background also helps so much because we can know some basic. I speak Arab, Arabic and some people also know the basic Arabic. So it helped as part of the secretive. Uh, but I hope uh, one day maybe Mashiach will come. Everything will be all right. Everything will be okay. This is 101.9 High FM, Tribal Pursuit of the Name of the Show. I'm your friend Mukundi Mudao, and today I'm talking to Yehuda Amir Kalani. Unfortunately, we need to take a few minutes, get our thoughts together, stretch our legs. You know, we'll be back straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. Today I'm talking to Yehuda Amir Kalani. he's a member of the Tanzanian Jewish community. If you have any questions for him, please don't hesitate to send them through. 36519 is how you SMS me, 061-895-1019 is how you send it on Telegram. If you want to email it, you can do so on air at Chai FM. If you want to tweet me, you can just at Chai FM. So now... Mr. Kailani, I hear you talk about the Muslim community a lot. I would assume your connection and friendship with them is very strong. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, the local, uh, even the local mosque near us, uh, which is Shafi, uh, Sufis, like Hasidim in uh, Judaism, mm. they are very friendly people. And uh, our brethren that was supposed maybe to be close to us, the Christians are the most problematic mm. that uh, they have been always busy on converting some of the our communities. Oh. Uh, but uh, most of communities, even if they are not religious, they have been always stubborn, very, very stubborn. At least they know some basic laws and um, converting to others foreign religion it has been very very difficult and speaking of the muslim community i read somewhere online that there's a synagogue that is now used as a mosque now i understand that your friendship and connection with the muslim community there is very strong but people are people and we are very prone to conflict don't you think there'll be a day when some of the jewish members feel hey that's our building, and we would like it back. That's our synagogue, and we would like it back. Probably, maybe, but uh, maybe not. Tanzania is a country where people don't try to confront anyone. We know where there are so many synagogues who are turned into mosques, mm. churches, and um, we never try to claim back. We always try to uh, reestablish a new one or uh, sometime there are some churches that we know that they were, but uh, what we normally try to do is to find any text, any mm. of our books, any Judaicas, some uh, might accept. 
what we know is if any text go into a Muslim uh, mosque or any Judaical items, mm. it's always kept very safe. Even in mm. Iran, uh, I visited Iran and mm. uh, in other Arabic countries like, uh, like Iraq and Oman, they always keep them very safe. They don't destroy. The problem is you can't retrieve, <laughs> but they will be there. <laughs> and why can't you retrieve them? Well, they also consider themselves as people of the book. Mm. And they, you can't retrieve them because they take it as its heritage for them. Yes, sometimes Israel do retrieve, uh, retrieve in some friendly countries. Or sometimes they take us a ransom. You have to pay a lot of money. And yeah. What about you? Have you ever been to Israel? Yes, I've been to Israel several times. And I uh, have so many conne connections with uh, friends such as Haraf, Shmuel Eliyahu, Rabbi Ari Greenspan, Spozivics, and uh, also families, uh, cousin, cousins, Ardol Kahalani, and so many others. And are there members of your community that decided to go to Israel? I am sure there are so many who moved to Israel. I don't know them specifically. Some moved to South Africa, mostly, particularly the 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 Polish community and the Lithuanians and Croatians, Russians. In uh, most 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 of them moved to South Africa, and some to the U.S. But the Yemenites mostly moved to England and, and New York. Oh, I see, I see. I read somewhere that your father is the one that told you to keep the community alive. Sadly, this was before he died. How has that been for you in terms of building the community and where is the community now? Well, yes, my father actually he was a very an amazing person my father of a blessed memory was very amazing he was a very good person very well good in the torah mm. he gave me i might say a legacy to to retrieve the torah the lost sefer torah and also the scattered uh, jews and um, his aim was to relocate back to Yemen. Maybe he was not uh, informed of the turmoil that's going on in Yemen, mm. but some rabbis uh, came to explain that it wasn't actually the physical relocating to Yemen, but to keep the Torah as Yemenite do, how the Yemenites are very strictly in the Torah keeping. Well, coming to the question, I was able to at least retrieve one of the Sefer Torah. Our friend from Canada brought one of the Shiknazi Sefer Torah, which mm. is the Torah, the same as all other Torah. So I fulfilled one of the legacy that my, my father, blessed memory, left it to me. And he renovated the synagogue. The synagogue and the Beit Midrash is now working. And uh, also the Mikvah is working. And his learning of the Torah is working. 
some of the people did not come by for some reason you can understand mm-hmm. uh, the cities are quite far away but slowly slowly they are gaining confidence and they they are coming back slowly slowly so i found this very interesting while doing my reading and i don't even know if it's true and that's why i'm actually asking you about it in other communities women are allowed inside shul and everything and they still have to sit separately from the men however in your community i read that women are not allowed inside the shul at all is that still the case and if so why Actually, we also allow only that uh, the separation is more restricted. Women in Yemenite traditions have more roles. They are mm. teachers for the children. They light candles and so, even some are shohet and so many. But uh, I give you the traditions. In the Yemenite uh, shul, the women sit on the back separated very well separated and the reason is not segregating the reason is men are weaker than women when men are on front of uh, women they will concentrate but if women will be on front of uh, men men will not confront uh, concentrate but women during prayers they don't care who on front of them they only focus on prayers so the separations mostly was to help men not <laughs> not women because women are always righteous anyway so that's why there is a separation is to help men to concentrate this is Trouble Pursuit on 11.9 High FM. I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao and I'm talking to Yehuda Amir Kalani all the way in Tanzania. So, Mr. Kalani, I know that you observe kosher and a lot of Jewish dietary customs. However, I also read that it's very hard to come across kosher food in Tanzania. How have you been working around that? Absolutely. We have been vegetarians. Uh, we have enough fish. We mm-hmm. have enough fish in Tanzania particularly from Lake Victoria Indian Ocean and all others uh, some other small uh, lakes so i am a uh, i'm a shohet but uh, for some reasons some few years i stopped shoheting because uh, it happened that I, I come that i don't like to see blood but sometime rabbis from uh, Israel comes and uh, provide for some shahita services. And um, yes, and some people from Israel and America bring mostly kosher Jews. For, for, and it's, it's unlike South Africa. I am always amazed when, I'm, when I visit Johannesburg because mm. in in South Africa they have more kosher places than even Israel. <laughs> Every corner there is a kosher, a, a kosher store, a kosher butcher, kosher, everything. It is absolutely even more than Israel. I'm always amazed. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of those around here. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I see we're running out of time, but I actually just have one more question. I have to ask this. How has your interaction been with other Jewish communities and organizations around Tanzania and the world? 
it has been uh, it has been since i i was the one uh, my father will never have allowed this to happen will never uh, allowed uh, that we should be known but uh, when my friends from the us and israel told me that it is even more dangerous to hide than being known because when you are known you can be easily rescued the interaction has been so big uh, am israel are one tree one tree with so many branches the feeling of the tree for the pain of one branch or the happiness of one branch is the same therefore uh, Jews from the US, Europe, uh, Africa, North Africa, the interaction was so superb. But uh, whenever I, uh, I, I visit South Africa, I feel the connection is different. People mm. are so friendly. The community are very connected. And what also I, I, I found of South Africa, they are like uh, the Yemenite. Uh, Jews or previous Yemenite Jews, there is not this kind of divisions like uh, reform, I don't know, conservatives. They all seem to keep Shabbat or, or when Shabbat comes, whether they, they put on kippahs or whatever, they are all Jews and the love and hospitality I saw in South Africa cannot be compared anywhere. It is absolutely the real um, Israel uh, of the Yemenite types. Uh, and if there's anyone, just in closing, if there's anyone that's listening and they would like to help out your community or just get in touch with you to learn more about your community, how do they go about doing that? A, a community email nefesh to nefesh uh, at gmail and my personal emails with the local name perez.advocate at gmail.com or kohalani.yehuda at gmail.com and there you have it. Mr. Kalani. I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day today to talk to us about your community and bringing us in for, for a few minutes. Thank you for that and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM Travel Pursuit is the name of the show and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. 10.56 which unfortunately means we are out of time. But first, is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Discom Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, whatever you need, Discom Delivered has you covered. Download the easy to use Discom app and shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax while Discom delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Discom Delivered, from Discom to you. Discom Pharmacies, pharmacists who care. So, as I was saying, 
10.56, which unfortunately means we are out of time. The good news is I will be back next week. That's just seven short days. I'm sure you can handle it. But I do not leave you alone. I leave you in the safe, responsible hands of the legendary South African band Mango Groove saying moments away. But... I gotta say my goodbye. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank every I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank everybody that made this possible. Mr. Kailani, Craig, and even myself. Thank you, Mukundi. <laughs> Got that from Snoop Dogg. He said I'd like to thank me. Always remember to thank yourself. But anyway, I'll leave you in the safe, responsible hands of Mango Groove. And as always, until next week, enjoy the rest of your day.